Welcome to another episode of A Lot Going On. We've managed to squeeze another one in before the end of the year, more specifically before Christmas, before we wind down for a few days. Joining me on the show, as always, is Vic. What's up? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. How's the feedback on last week's show? Feedback's been good, man. I've been getting quite a few DMs. Yeah. It's, it's, it was a very, it's a really good show. It's good to have Kish on the show as well. Yeah. Just talking about music and soul and like a, what is a staple now in the culture in the UAE. So yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And it was good to get back in the studio and actually record. Yeah. Big up to Tara Rose Salon. This is the studio that we're in. We're actually in a full-size warehouse salon with barbershop and training academy and private beauty rooms and all that. And they've actually built a podcast studio. Uh, full disclosure, they're clients of ours. So we're using their studio. We love it. Big up to Tara Rose. Uh, make sure you follow her on at Tara Rose Salon or at Tara Rose. Cool person. Yeah, I agree. Last week was incredible. Um, an hour and a half on Soul DXB mm. was perfect because A, it allowed us to put out a nice long podcast. B, it also meant that we could have Kish on there and talk about something that we know and also get kind of get back into the groove of the podcast, which we are very much in the groove of the podcast. And so whilst we don't have a strict agenda for today, we've not brought a bunch of big stories. I'm sure some will come up. But we are going to talk about a couple of things. Number one, we'll give you a state of the union yeah. of where we're at and what we've been doing for the last six months. Uh, number two, we'll talk about some highs and lows of the year, things that we think you should be focusing on. And number three, one thing I want to focus on is just this big shift that's happened in Instagram. So we had a message on our group chat the other day that said, you know, do you think that Instagram still got any kind of like juice to it and any yeah. clout to it? Yeah. No sooner did we get that message, but within 72 hours, Instagram announced that they're going to be doing split AB testing on their posts. Mm -hmm. So let's start there. Split AB testing, what is it? It basically means that you can put out a piece of content to an audience and roughly speaking, two versions of that piece of content will be the initial thing that goes out to a limited portion of your following or audience. Of those two pieces of content, the piece that gets the highest engagement is then rolled out to the remainder of the audience. So I'll give you an example because it comes from the email world. If you had a thousand people on your email list and you put out an email with two subject lines, so the content of the email is the same, but the subject line is the independent variable, 50 people would get subject line one, 50 people would get subject line two, add them together and that's 100 people out of your 1,000 people. Whichever of those two 50s got the highest open rate, so let's say one got 40 out of the 50 open, the other one got 10, then the one that got 40 would be rolled out to the remaining 900. Mm. I've been in the email world for a long time. Split A-B testing was not there from the beginning. Once I went into enterprise, it became all the rage. Yeah. And... Now it's coming to Instagram, which is a big marker in the ground for Instagram because whereas there is, you know, interest-based algorithmic upside for TikTok, and that's something that TikTok has owned and won, the actual hardcore marketing function of split A-B testing coming to Instagram is no joke. Yeah, It's going to give serious content creators a serious tool set to help them get more reach. On top of that, Instagram is leaning into that by saying, if you do get more reach and you get more engagement, we will gamify it and give you different badges that explicitly tell you that you will generally have more organic reach. This is a new discipline that our clients will need to learn because this is not something they considered Absolutely. before. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Now, here's, here's, I have a couple of questions before I give you my comments on it. Do you know how the audience is being chosen? to be tested the way that instagram works at the moment is that 
it takes a portion of your followers yeah. and that will be based on some that are very, very like high behavioral engagement mm -hmm. and some that are low. Mm -hmm. And then it takes a blended view of what that is. And if the content gets more engagement, it then gets more distribution. So the version of the universe that we live in at the moment is everybody's content that they put out goes to a small portion of their audience. If it's validated on a small portion of their audience, it gets more reach. Yeah. If it's validated there, it gets even more reach. Mm -hmm. And if it's validated there, its best case scenario is that it ends up on the For You page of other people that share the interests of the people that engaged with yeah. it, but may not necessarily follow you, which then gives you a, a huge opportunity to acquire more followers. Because in the email world, you can choose your audience, right? Because the data is yours. You can choose which audience it goes to. But in the Instagram world, the question is who chooses the audience and how, right? So if Instagram chooses the audience, as long as it's choosing it fairly, as you would do in traditional email practices, yeah, then you'll get a, a good enough read. The challenge is right now, obviously, it goes to your typically the highest engaged audience, and then it kind of dovetails out from there for the most part. No, so how it works on Instagram is it'll take people that are really, really into your content. And less engaged. People that are somewhat, and then somewhat that are less. And that's your blended test population. So they will do that for the A-B testing? Yeah, you'd think so. You'd hope so, Yeah, right? they've, they've, not, they've not put out in that level of detail, but what you would want to do is you'd want to put it out to a fairly even spread. Demographically, geographically, engagement-wise, everything. Yeah, and because then... that's how you do an email as well. Yeah, and then whichever one wins, then that caption... Uh, is the caption that will you know be distributed the most? I think they may also be doing it with thumbnails. That's, which that, is, that's is my crazy. That was my next question in terms of like thumbnails and what asset goes to which audience? Yeah. So how does because I've not done enough research on this, so that's why I'm asking these questions. I can give my kind of feedback on it. So you've got two versions of an asset. How do you determine the difference between the two assets on email? It's easy. It's a subject line or whatever it might be. Would it be a thumbnail? Would it be the cover photo that is chosen on Instagram. Well, that's a really good point. So methodologically speaking, to figure out what performs best, you should only isolate one variable Correct. and only change that one independent variable yep. to be able to compare apples to apples. Exactly. What's really interesting about what you've said, and I can, I can definitely speak to a wider trend here in the creator community, is that when you look at YouTube, which has a very distinct piece of inventory called the YouTube the video name, the mm -hmm. video title, and then a very distinct piece of inventory called the YouTube thumbnail, and then a very distinct piece of inventory called the caption or the description. There's three independent variables, which means there's a, for one video, there's, there could be a combination of nine configurations, but being the fact that the description could be written in infinite different ways, the subject line could be written in infinite different ways, not subject line, the, the video title, and the thumbnail could be done infinite ways, you've now got an infinite way of doing things. Correct. So I think one of the reasons why they're they're focusing on this right now, and I think it could spare a trend in 2024 with different platforms, is because when you look at people like Stephen Bartlett and Gary Vee, and before all of those people, Mr. Beast, they are very, very vocal about the fact that because YouTube allows you to change your thumbnails, they do. Mm. And I think Stephen Bartlett says in the f says in the first forty eight hours of him putting a video out, he will test six different thumbnails. Yeah. yeah. Now, if YouTube said to Stephen Bartlett or said to Gary V or said to 
Daniel Priestley or said to Raj Katech or any of these people that put out content, pay us a dollar a month and you can upload four YouTube thumbnails or six YouTube thumbnails. We'll test it and run with the best. They're getting that dollar. And you'll get the analytics behind it. You'll get everything. Forget about it. That would be wild. Now, if Instagram does that, that would be yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. It gives you split A-B test results, analytics. Yeah. Because then what you're doing is then you can optimize. That's so smart. Because then you don't have to do split A-B testing all the time. You just take the you'd results. You'd have to do it manually. You'd you're still do doing it. it. Yeah. No, but I mean, like, you you can take those results over a period of time and you can be like, all right, this is what's performing best. And you can create in that vein. Yeah. And then when you come up with new concepts or new ideas, then you can go into split A-B testing. Yeah. So my, my opinion on it, and it's very short and sharp, I think it's a great idea. They are traditional practices that they're bringing into this new kind of age. And what's really good about that is that it shows that Meta, Instagram or Facebook, whatever you want to call it, is serious. Mm. They know what they're talking about. They know what they're doing. And they're thinking about the creator. So do you remember when, um, what's the CEO's name again? I've forgotten his name completely. CEO? Yeah. Zuckerberg? No, not the CEO. What's the name? Guy with the glasses. Of which company? Of um, Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Mazzeri. Adam Mazzeri, yeah. Mazzeri, yeah. yeah. You know, when he used to come out, and I said this on the podcast, that I was a little bit skeptical about, is he genuine about, oh, we're putting the creators first and things like that. This thing that you said there at the very beginning is for serious creators. That's them showing that they're taking serious creators seriously. Yeah. I was very skeptical about it at the beginning. So the reality is, is that if you're serious and you really want content to be the thing and you're not just jumping on trends or you're not thinking about, well, TikTok will monetize more than Instagram and even though I get less views and this, that and the other, because a lot of videos go out that people show their their numbers. They're like, well, I got more views for the same video on Instagram, but I got paid $50, but it paid me three grand on TikTok. Mm. If you're not interested in all that, but you're really thinking about garnering and nurturing and building a community that you can then add value to and then there's some commercial upside from other services that's who they're talking to i think it's great people like us we're yeah. not interested in making money off instagram right we're trying to build community we're trying to add value we're trying to create content connect and then whatever comes off the back of it comes off the back of it yeah the, the good thing about a good social media platform like the what we're seeing now with instagram and what it's doing with its tools is that a good social media platform will make a casual creator take it more seriously It'll make a serious content creator become a professional. Yeah, that's cool. And what Instagram is doing right now with its shift towards letting people split A-B test, which is a new concept for a casual or serious creator, is they are basically onboarding people to what we call in the, in the professional industry the, mar the MarTech paradigm, which mm -hmm. is the marketing technology paradigm, which is the kind of options and tactics that you can use in the environment of like MailChimp or constant contact or any of these kind of like big enterprise level email tools. They're now taking those, those, those tools and those approaches and applying it to social media. And it could be an incredible revenue stream opportunity. I mean, if right now they said you can split AB test, but what if they say you can split A, B, C, D and E test if you've paid $15 a month for the blue check, 
that's going to get people rushing towards it. And, you know, we've got our good friend Omar Meski, right, at the, mm-hmm. the, the Clips Agency. So one of our friends, he designs brands for social media so that when you go onto social media, you have like identifiable colors and fonts mm-hmm. and animations and things of that nature. Super smart guy, fresh approach, kind of makes me think of how we'd be doing it if we started in the industry today. And he just does that still based on his human taste. But he could launch 15 different brand languages, test it on behalf of the client, and then empirically go back and say, all 15 of these designs are great because they came from inside my head. But the performance best one is option eight. So now we're going to go with option eight, which means that the client gets an even better yield. So it's going to be a game changer, even for us as an agency, because when we go back with our recommendations, it's not just based on our experience or our best guess or our taste, which has been very, very valuable for a long period Mm -hmm. of time. But it's also going to be based on empirical evidence. Now, to throw another cat amongst the pigeons, imagine combining that with the creative input of AI where you say to AI, this is what I'm thinking about doing. I want to build my brand. I want to be an Instagram content creator that's known in the uh, building and bricks and mortar space. These are some of my subject lines, and it comes back to you with thumbnails. And AI doesn't necessarily know, but gives you enough collateral to go and test inside Instagram. And then the full circle event is what happens when the AI lives inside Instagram? And you say, Instagram, make me a thumbnail. And Instagram goes to... It reads your face. It goes to the part where you're most shocked in the video. It cuts it out, puts it with a blue background because they know that your audience responds to blue, puts your title with capital letters because it knows your audience responds to that. And now you're in crazy town. And we can't be more than either 18 months away from that or a $20 a month subscription away from that. I I think it's a time thing because there's an adoption, right? Because regardless of money, this and the other, from a scale point of view, it's about adoption. So as you were saying, I was thinking, okay, hold on a second. You said about creators becoming professional and then, sorry, serious creators becoming professional, casual creators becoming serious creators. That can happen. It's going to take time. Because the reality is, is that we don't know if people are going to take split A-B testing seriously. Now, as a reality, like, if you imagine the amount of people that we've spoken to, whether it be clients consultations, coaching, friends, people, whatever it is that come to us for advice for whatever reason it is, paid or non-paid, and we talk about data, database, email marketing, split A-B testing, across the board, how many can you confidently say, yeah, we do that or we know how to do it or we know what it is? Very few. And then how many people actually then go on and do it in any real material way? Mm. It's going to reflect the same with creators. And if you think about the attention span and the quick dopamine that creators want en masse in, as a generalist statement, are they going to have the time and patience to think about A-B testing, to analyze the results, to make changes, to do this, to do that, let alone what AI could do for them in the future? That part has to happen first. So I think it's going to be a very like a very, very like narrow pyramid approach. It's going to be a very, whatever it is. It's, it's more tools for people at the top. Yeah, and that's all it yeah. is. So if anything, whether it works at on at scale or not, the, the very least it's doing is telling the world, don't forget about us. In, don't forget about Instagram. We're still here. Yeah. You can't mess with us. We still know what we're talking about. But technology tends to do that, right? Technology, technology makes the rich richer and the poor poorer because if you look at every single technology tool that's come out the people that adopt it first best and fastest are the ones that benefit the most so like for example 
I'll give you an example in, in my early years. When I was first doing gigs, there was just flyers and flyers were a dominant like form of media for a long period of time. And as soon as Eventbrite came out, Eventbrite gave us a huge Massive. advantage over all of our competition. In fact, there are people right now, you know, content, uh, you know, DJs and promoters that are not collecting data. It's, it's there for people that want to implement it. It's there for people that are actually able to collect the dots and connect the dots. Because mm -hmm. some people are going to just see this information about Instagram scrolling. They're not going to stop because it's not directly interesting to them. Somebody else will collect that dot, i.e. absorb that knowledge, mm -hmm. connect the dot with what their business objective is, bring it all together in a day or two, and their stuff's going to fly. And then you'll see the chasm, a big chasm between yeah. between two different types of creators. And your average creator, you're just... You're casual creator or even someone that uses it to make money will just carry on doing what they're doing and use the basic tools that Instagram gives them that still gives them the reach and what they need but it'll give them less because don't forget it's uh, it's not a zero you sum game throttle, like not throttle but like reduce the amount well there's only a certain amount of net reach so let's say you follow creator A and you also follow creator B if creator A is using the tool and he's already harvested your attention then creator B is not going to get the attention from the same person. So let's mm. say we're both in the automotive influencer space or makeup influencer space. And we share, we literally have a hundred people that follow each of us. Well, if I've optimized my content to get their attention before you have, then I'm going to get the impression from that person that day. So it might even be a case first and Instagram might even, but then if Instagram does what it does always, which is, Okay, well, Creator A has used all the tools. They deserve Raj's attention first. Yeah. <clears throat> and more of the attention, so more content. But also Creator B does this as well. We want to keep Raj as a user on the platform, so we'll also feed Creator B's content. Now, there might be a hierarchy, but that's what Instagram does as well. As soon as you stay on a video for a certain if, if, time. If, I've, if, if, if this fictional Raj has already given his attention to user A, and they've already achieved time on site for Instagram, they don't need to serve you B. If they've achieved time on site. They have, Depend because, because you got it off A. So in your scenario, attention was already given to Creator no, A. I'm talking about the fact that you, you've given attention to Creator A. Yeah. Is that enough time for Instagram to say, well, we don't need any more time from Raj on Instagram? Yeah, because so the, user, the user's got multiple interests. So for example, if you if creator A and creator B put out the same story and the same content, but creator A's got the better caption, the better thumbnail, etc., and then that editorial satisfaction for the audience members already happened, then the next thing that Instagram will serve to them will be cat on a skateboard, haircut techniques. I don't know about that. Because Insta it's not in Instagram's interest. Think about you as a user right now. It's to not in interest to serve you the dilute, same story dilute. over and over again. But it wouldn't be the same story, right? Like the same editorial parameters. Fair. So for example, you're not you, even somebody who's hardcore into vegan cooking will not scroll 10 posts all on vegan cooking. No, this is true because I get served it and I just keep moving on. Like yeah. if it's the same, yeah. roughly the same thing, I'll just keep it moving. Yeah, exactly. So it's not an in so therefore the more you the more you start to get exhausted by being served the same content, the more your consciousness kicks in and goes, how long have I been on Instagram? I'm not getting anything new and fresh. Dopamine comes from new and fresh. 
it doesn't come from his CNN's perspective on this story. Then it doesn't go MSNBC, CNBC. That's not dopamine. That's, yeah. that's like deep, like deep yeah, research yeah, yeah. that you want to do. Yeah. That you're proactively doing. You'll get that on YouTube. On YouTube, yes, you'll get that on YouTube. If a new yeah. camera comes out, three different creators will be in my feed reviewing yeah. the same camera, and I want that because on YouTube you're going long, your concentration levels higher, dopamine's not as important. So, so that's what's happening. So then, how do you think that will impact? I mean, I don't think it will, but what do you think? TikTok, TikTok won't do anything to respond, right? They, they could copy it. They'll, they could, they'll probably copy it. Do you it. think they would? Yeah, I think so. I think this is the first thing that, that Instagram has done, which could be considered the both... Way, the other way around, to, yeah. Yeah, it could be considered both innovative and fundamental. Definitely because, fundamental, yeah, because we've yeah. seen it in the last 20 years in, in MarTech software. Yeah. We've seen it with, with so many different things that it's like, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you do it? And And also... It's become a hacking thing on YouTube. Like if Stephen Bartlett, Mr. Beast and Gary Vee are all saying we proactively change our thumbnails, then the platforms are going to say if you're proactively putting energy and money into this, if we can reduce the amount of support energy and money it, yeah. you put into and support it, how much of the share can we get? Plus, don't forget, YouTube doesn't even need to necessarily charge people for this because YouTube runs adverts. Mm. So if they can make their content creators even more engaging that makes the platform more engaging which gives the advertisers more of an opportunity to engage so it's 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 a win-win um whether it spirals off to become this incredible like silver bullet move for instagram and if it becomes a paradigm shift for the whole social media industry or not let's see but i think it's definitely worth worth looking at that's a that's a it's a good point uh, anything else in the news that you've seen nothing that you that think jumps, is super nothing dope. That, nothing that jumps out at me right now. Should we go through the group chat? I'm going to go through the group oh, chat yeah, real quick. There were some really interesting bits and pieces that were going out. And whilst we're doing that, I just want to give a quick shout out as well. So, so funny, I sent this text the other day to uh, a friend of mine, Kunal Merchant, who is one half of uh, Indo Warehouse. And I said, when are you announcing Indo Warehouse Dubai? So Indo Warehouse is this kind of South Asian diaspora fusion mm. with house music uh, and they're coming here on january the 6th so here's what i'm saying to the listeners of argo if you want to hang out after dark one night where i will be out next year will be january the 6th at i think it's called yume which is in business bay for indo warehouse if you want to come hang out come hang out that night I want to go and hear what these guys do. I want to hear the kind of music they've got. If you type in Indo Warehouse on YouTube, you can see their sets. They've sold out the Brooklyn Mirage, which is the equivalent of selling out the smaller O2 in London. So it's no joke. Mm. Outdoor venue. You can go and listen to their music there. If you like it, come along to all the South Asians and people that like, you know, remixed and re reimagined yeah, Indian music in Dubai, of which there's many. Be out that night if you want to hang out. I genuinely have a lot going on and I'm not out the way I used to be. So if you do want to hang out in a club or you want to kick it, that's night to do it. January 6th, Indo Warehouse at UMA Business Bay. I don't know where you get tickets from. You need to figure that out. And uh, they've just released a documentary called Renaissance in the Realm, which is on Renaissance in the Realms. Uh, it's on Dialogues of Diaspora uh, YouTube page. It's under 100 views. It just came out a few hours ago. I watched the documentary this morning. It's super dope. And um, hopefully they'll come on the podcast as well. But they're, they're super cool. Kunal, I've known for 15 years. He's a, a legend in New York yeah, uh, promotion. Guy. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Oh, we we're going to go through the group chat, <clears throat> well, right? I, I just went through it as you were as you were giving a shout out to Kunal and them. But uh, 
I mean, there's a, there, there's a lot and <laughs> there's a lot here. I mean, big shout out to the group chat because they stay active, like really active. Yeah. Oh, okay. Don't I d just don't say anything, please. About what? But Scarface Tiny Desk. Yeah, the only thing I will say is that I haven't watched it. You yet. need That's to watch it. Yeah. yeah. Scarface Tiny Desk. Uh, I'll just say I'll just say the same things that I've said to to you. I can't believe and this tends to happen in life. I can't believe that we're at the end of 2023 and we've had so much good content come out this year. We've had um who's what's Russell's man? The get lucky uh Nile Rogers. Yeah. Did a tiny desk this year. Yes. Very good. Babyface did a tiny desk this year. Even Usher. better. <laughs> Usher did a tiny face this the tiny desk this year. Very good. The best one for me is still Charlie Wilson. Yes. Brilliant. Scarface is on par. Really? Yeah, yeah it's that good. Scarf, said that. I, I, and this is the point I wanted to make. I've already told you, so it's not a spoiler. But I've always thought of like Scarface as a tier A rapper. Mm -hmm. You know, for many people, they fell in love with Scarface in the 90s. Every other rapper came along. Eminem, Nelly, Jay-Z, Biggie, Pac. People were like Scarface, 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 Scarface. And I understand it. And I thought to myself, okay, yeah, he's just the regional biggest rapper. He may not do world arenas and stuff like that, but he's got that hardcore fan base. Similar to how maybe 10, 15, 10 years later, people might feel that way about Andre 3000. Never thought about Scarface as a genius. Musically, he's a genius mm. because of the way that he just delivered that uh, tiny desk. And if you've seen Charlie Wilson, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the same thing. So it's just brilliant and it's a wonder and you're gonna enjoy it so much. All I would suggest is if you're a fan of hip hop music and you're over 35 years old and you know who Scarface is and what he means to the culture, carve out the time, order your favorite pizza, rewarm it a bit in the oven if you need to, enjoy the time because you will not enjoy a rap performance as much as you'll enjoy Scarface on Tiny Desk. And you you might not see that on, on the internet for, I don't know, a couple of years. It's that good. Wow. Stefan Lamar, my good friend, posted, because you know, a whole bunch of clips came out. Yeah. He posted the best caption. He was like, you may as well just go ahead and retire Tiny Desk now. Oh, wow. It's that, it's that good. And, and Tiny Desk has been, like you just said, you mentioned a few, but they've been killing it this killing year. Killing it, yeah. Like it's just consistent, consistently good quality. I think they've just got some more black people on their committee. Because might, yeah, it might be the case. They've chosen, they've chosen the greatest artists in the world. Yeah. I've not purposely not watched any Scarface clips. Not, I've literally... You should delete them. I've skipped... No, I just skipped yeah. past everything. Yeah. Anything that might be sent to me, anything that comes on feed, anything at all. Yeah. I'm not I'm not listening, watching, acknowledging. I'm just moving on because I want to watch it properly. Because Scarface didn't do too much this year in terms of Hip Hop 50. He did obviously a big, big controversial performance where, where Willie D wasn't there, but... You know, he, he wasn't the most prominent face of Hip Hop 50. Mm. He's obviously got his podcast. He doesn't put out new music. He's not been that prolific in the media, although his podcasts are great and his interviews are great. Um, you don't see very much in terms of music yeah. with him. So, um, so yeah, the, you know, the, the bar's been set. There's a line in the sand now, guys. There's a line in the sand for Snoop, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre. All these legends need to be like, okay, can I deliver it the, sa the same way that that Scarface did. I think the only person who might be able to would be Dr. Dre. It's it's exceptional. It, and it will make mm -hmm. you so happy because it's the he only does the biggest records. The biggest records, yeah. So there's no fluff. 
Well, then that that means he's curated it the right way. He's programmed it correctly. Yeah, he's you gone with every. He's gone with every yeah. sing- Basically, of course, the the biggest records from MTV, the ones with the music videos, the ones where you know. Yeah. And for us, we were Just don't 15, 16. No, yeah, I won't. Yeah, yeah. We, we can guess them because yeah, yeah, it's I every know, video yeah. you've seen, yeah. and uh, it's just brilliant. It's just cool. brilliant, 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 brilliant. Big big shout to uh, to his crew. I don't know any of them to be honest, but big shout out to Scarface uh, for for an incredible performance. Uh, what else is going on know, on the there's, group there's chat? A, there's a lot of stuff there. I don't know if you want to get into it or do you want to go straight into like... What, what have you chosen? I Anything else? I haven't. Okay, well then that that's fine. I would say, oh yeah, there's a bit of a, a, a vibe going on in one of the canals there in uh, in Egypt where stuff's been blocked off. So not too much stuff happening over there. And uh, Kanye West, Kanye West went crazy again. Um, but I don't know. I just don't know if it's I care anymore. Yeah, it's yeah it just feels like, feels like copy-paste tactics again. Yeah, that's all it is. He's got he's got an album that he was releasing or whatever, and he's just like, let me put a bit more controversy out there because he's got no other way of doing it. Some friends heard the stream and said it was good. The I'll listen to it. Yeah, the the, the rant or the music? <laughs> no, the, the the music, the music, the music. Yeah, yeah. I didn't listen to Donda too. I couldn't I couldn't be bothered. I just didn't have the, the headspace for it. But yeah, I heard the new album's good, and he's got obviously got some some great people on there. Charlie Wilson again, although the, apparently the Charlie Wilson song's a bit weird. And he's got um, Ty Dollar Sign, which he always tends to do a good job with. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Okay, cool. Oh, and Twitter was down this week. <laughs> Funny. And uh, Colorado's Supreme Court has removed Donald Trump. So at a state level, you can't vote for Donald Trump yeah. now. So those votes will not be uh, added. But I they're, think they're looking at in January, right? There's going to be another hearing and it could be overturned. Yeah, January. Which you assume it will be so. January is a great month for... Um, January is a great month for US politics because everything tends to kick off then. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested to see actually if anybody is interested in uh, in that, then drop me a DM at Raj Kotechin because I always feel like I don't get many insights because obviously we don't live in America. Mm. But um, I always feel like if you read US politics, you then get to figure out what happens to US policies. And once you see what's happening with US policies, it affects finance. And once it affects finance, it tends to affect at least the UK. And then sometimes, sometimes what affects the UK affects us here in Dubai. So there's a little shadow there, yeah. For sure. Okay, so highs and lows of the year. What have been some of your highlights for this year? Maybe let me. Maybe maybe as you're thinking that through, let me just tell people why we've not been producing content from like effectively like May, June yeah. till till November, December this year. So Vic and I were away for the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in um, Amsterdam, London, and Toronto, New York, and New York. You were in. I was in Portugal. London, Amsterdam. Okay. So a lot of traveling around. Mm -hmm. We didn't really have our mobile podcast set up and we had multiple different time zones going on. So we were not able to to check in that way. Uh, So there was that, that was that inhibitor. And then there was the fact that we were just genuinely busy. So when I was in Toronto, New York and London, uh, we rolled out three My Friends, Your Friends. Um, You came to the London London. one. We've actually not spoken about the London one. Have we on the podcast? Well, we couldn't have because we only just brought the podcast back. Did we not do one when we came back? We didn't record one episode when we came back? No. For real? Yeah, we didn't record one. The well, f- then the that means we haven't spoken about London, my friends, your friends. Yeah, we did We did record a Toronto one. I, I think it might have been myself and Adnan, but we never ended up putting it out because we just didn't get a chance to sign it off. Yeah. But Toronto was amazing. Shout out to M2M and our crew over mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, Little X, uh, Solitaire. Solitaire was a co-host. Um and so many other people that just showed us love out there. Of course, uh, my cousin Neil and Preeta, they uh, they were running the door yeah. and did a great job. And over, th- I feel like over th- 
250 or 300 people. 250 came to Toronto. My yeah. friend's your friend. That's right. Um, shout out to Matt, who gave us the rooftop of Lavelle, which is where, you know, uh, LeBron James and Drake and all these guys do their parties. It's like you get 360 view of the city. It's in King Street, right in downtown. You can oversee the water and everything. Matt being an ex-Dubai guy as well, right? Yeah, our friend Matt is, uh, he's, he's the guy that actually approved my friends, your friends, three at West Lodge. Yeah. So very dear friend of ours. So big up to him. Matt Adario uh, showed us mad love. And uh, New York was incredible. Shout out to Divya uh, and all of the co-hosts that came through. It was so good to see, like, to be, like, in Wall Street with all the tech and finance people and then to have, like, some super creators come through. Premium Pete came through. Mazi came through. Diamond. Diamond Temple came through from Sugar Hill Gang. Like, we just had some incredible people there, met some awesome people. Shout out to New York. And then London, we went back to the Gherkin where yeah. Vic and I used to DJ. And that was over 300 people. Huge shout out to Samiha Desai yeah. and the whole professional Asian crew. I feel like we had an accent to every single of my friends, Correct. your friends. In, uh, in Toronto, definitely like the M2M community, the hustlers, the finance community, the arts community, the yeah. black community really showed us love out there. So massive love back to them. In London, it was definitely like more the people that know us, like the Indians, the hustlers, they all came out. Yeah. And then where was the other one? New York, it was definitely like Wall Street and tech. Finance tech, yeah. Like background wise, very diverse, but like like professionally wise, very, very, there's a, there's a good bunch of them in there. So I want to, each of those communities, whatever your background, we just want to give our massive thanks to you guys. But that took a lot of effort to pull yes. off. I mean, Toronto was turned around in six days and it was an intense six days where you just can't really be recording podcasts and other things to make sure that you do a good job for the city. Um, and then this year I've been teaching for the Chartered Institute of Marketing. So I want to give a big shout out to them. So the Chartered Institute of Marketing, as you know, you have like Chartered Institute of like you have chartered accounting yeah. and law and all that kind of stuff in the UK. They have that for marketing to make sure that, everybody in the uk in the private sector has the ability to bring their marketing up to a certain base standard and so i'm one of the course directors for that teaching content production and ai so rolled out three of those uh, in the last quarter been incredible taught some incredible like FTSE 500 companies and uh really really enjoying that and the content's incredible uh what else have we had going on clients have been on fire yeah Absolutely. Like, so shout to, um, although there are other brands involved here, but huge shout out to RMA Motors yep. uh, in Dubai Investment Park. They just have, they've been growing massively. They've got cars on top of cars, beautiful cars. Um, if I was a car guy, I would be in that showroom, like Every buying day. one of those. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but I'm not much of a car guy, but huge shout to uh, the whole team over there. Hadi, Murray, uh, Arthur, Arthur Ryan, and Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. yeah. And, and Ryan Taylor as well, who's also involved over there. So shout out to all of them. Uh, here, Tara Rose Salon yeah. opened. We were involved in the launch of this. It was super cool. Uh, Tara the Tara Rose, the CEO and founder, who has already, you know, three, three and a half other outlets across the UAE, opened this uh, big flagship one for Dubai. In our um, cruise. In our cruise. Uh, so if you guys know where... Uh, what's that place next Night door? Jar, Al Circle. Al Circle is, yeah. If you know where Night Jar and all that is, you can just basically walk directly from there to uh, Tara Rose Salon Al Cruz. She did a launch party for a salon with hundreds of people, like on the scale of the event that we would just do. wild, yeah. Yeah. Like catwalk, hair, fashion, dancers. DJ, dancers. Yeah. Who's the DJ? The girl I like Amy. a lot. Amy, Amy Jamie. Jamie. Yeah. Shout she out to Amy Jamie. Job, yeah. yeah, yeah. Big up to her for coming through. Uh, she did a great job really blew me away musically she's very talented 
Uh, what else have we been doing? So, so I've got a couple of highs. Yeah. Obviously, like this is before we did all the J shit. You know, maybe you can speak to well, all that, that stuff. That's, so that's one of my highs. So one big high is the fact that you and I were both able to, for the first time, with real confidence, be away for the whole summer. Yeah. Be away from Dubai. Yeah. And still work. Still earn revenue. Yeah. Still get it in. Yeah, yeah. But with confidence, be away. Yeah. Because my wife works remotely, and that's something that I was trying to push for, at least for the summer period. Not like as a year-round thing, but at least for the summer. Yeah. So a big high for me is the fact that we were able to achieve that. That yeah. was huge for me. The second thing was um, the fact that we've, and we'll speak on this a little bit when we talk about maybe State of the Union, but developing our L&D offering, so our learning and development offering. You know, we're a heavy agency, typically have been, but one thing that we're trying to develop within the business is the training programs that we have. And the Chartered Institute of Marketing is one of the evidences of that, you know, one of the results of that work. And we're continuing to develop that side of the business. So the fact that we've been able to put some more work and effort into that, and now we can see that really becoming something of real value for us as a business, but also for anyone that we kind of teach it to. That's another high. And this is a weird high, third one. And this is, of course, thanks to some of the work that we do with one particular client, is actually getting a little bit more back into the celebrity world. Celebrity has been so such a big part of our year. Yeah. Post-COVID. But here's what's why it's a high for me. Now, we've been in celebrity for quite some time. Yeah. Whether it be on 23 years now. Yeah, so whether it be on the event side, the DJing side, or just like rolling or just just kind of being associated in that world, whether we're doing interviews, whatever it is, a whole range of things. I always kind of also denied it. I never said we're in the celebrity space. I never said it's part of our business offering. This year I've started saying it. Yeah, I, know I say have. we offer these but solutions it's, to it's business not, people it's and not, celebrities. We've never been in the celebrity space in like the traditional sense. Like we book, you know, like, since our, particularly our time together, it's like we do this and we work with celebrities like this. Yeah. We've always had some association with celebrities. Yeah. Whatever type of celebrities, whether it be music, business, or TV, or whatever it might be. Yeah. But where it's been interesting this year... Which TV ones? Like Ryan, Sir. Oh, yeah, 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 You know, there's like... Yeah, yeah. But <coughs> just speaking of him, like, you know, what's been interesting about this year working with celebrities, and we've done our traditional work as well, is it's been a much more controlled way. So historically, we might be like, we'll, we'll go to a show, we'll interview these celebrities, we'll interview these artists, and we'll just, it's a lot more like hustle, hustle, hustle. But we've been able to turn what we do as an agency into an offering, to, into a controlled environment, whether that be in a podcast studio or you know in front of a live audience or at an arena multiple times now, where we're actually working with some great clients and the celebrities. So it's kind of like this controlled environment. So we know what we're doing. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm. It's like there's editorial parameters. There's this, there's that. We have some level of control over what we're doing, obviously in conjunction with our clients. That's been a real high for me because I find that very interesting. I like working with celebrities and the caliber of celebrities, this is not discounting anyone that we've worked with in the past, has changed. I'm not saying they're necessarily higher or lower, but the type of celebrity, should I say, no, they're higher. is very different. Like you're talking about TV, global scale, A-list, influence, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. There is, like, you know, I mean, we can we can name them if you want, like Pep Guardiola, Alan Iverson, Jay Shetty, Gary V. once again. Um, who else is there? Ryan Serhan. Ryan Serhan. You know, just like... Stephen Bartlett. Stephen Bartlett. 
yeah, like it's it's that caliber has changed. So the way you interact with them and the type of work that you do with them is very different. Yeah. And because it's on behalf of a client, it's different as well. Previously, we were doing it for ourselves, right? For our own channels, for our own parties, for our own events, you know, whatever it might be. So I like, yeah, I also like the fact as well that I've really come to terms with like how long I've been doing it. You know, when we did, when I was doing Love Soul for 10 years in 2008, I did that wrap-up video, which I should probably post on my social media. Yeah. But you remember we did my 28th birthday at the Gherkin and yeah. we had the screen come down yeah, and we yeah. did like a pre-roll. And at that point I was like, oh, 10 years. And I really felt like it, a, a decade in of doing it, like not a decade since the first time you did it, but a decade of doing it consistently is the day that you're kind of born. Then I hit 20 years, which was kind of like busy because of the whole COVID period and running the agency. But now I'm starting to really, really notice it because of the fact that we are now doing bigger projects than we've ever done with clients. But whereas for the client, it's their first time meeting Gary V, or it's their first time meeting Jay Shetty. For me, it's like second, third, fourth, yeah. fifth, whatever. And you walk up in these arenas where you've met these guys and girls in other scenarios. And the first thing that you do is you dap it up and you just Build, continue building on this journey that is a relationship with this person, which I think is so nice because now what I wouldn't want to do is be working with these kind of guys and at 43 years old and then dealing with all of the mental work that you have to do to meet them for the first time as well as then trying to do your job. And it's kind of relaxing knowing that when you meet these people, if you've not worked with them before, you've got ultra mutuals with them. Yeah. I told you about this mess up the other day, right? So it's so crazy. We shot Alan Iverson, and then afterwards, I was out with Mad Skills for a long period of time. Shout out to him, he just got engaged. And uh, when I was talking to him, he was like, oh yeah, I'm really good friends with Alan Iverson because they both come from Virginia, and they've been around each other forever. Right, but course. no, but see, I didn't, know, I didn't know anything about Alan Iverson. Yeah. And I'm much more able to tell you that Skills is from Virginia as a, as a fan of his than I am to tell you that Alan Iverson is because I don't watch basketball. But the the... the the one degree of separation thing is crazy because obviously skills is on Russell's podcast and yep. all these other bits and pieces. Then there was one other crazy one the other day when we met Jada Kiss. And before I met him, I always think before I meet someone, I'm like, oh, just in case we end up in a long conversation, just have a quick think through your head as to who you might have in common. And I couldn't think of anybody for Jada Kiss. Um, and then uh, I realized afterwards that, of course, like he has a podcast with Eric and Jeff from It's The Real. Yeah. And uh, they're around each other all the time. And I forgot to mention to Jada Kiss when we were talking, that, oh, hang on a second. I actually sponsored out of pocket Eric and Jeff's yeah. first international podcast when yeah. they came to London and interviewed DJ Semtex. So I'm really starting to enjoy the fact that for me, at this at this stage, it's becoming like a layer cake. And it's really, really nice. Like it's, it's, it's like a layer cake, like a phyllo pastry. It's comforting. It's like there's no snap crazy stuff. It's like no matter who you meet now, you can pretty much be like, oh yeah, I've worked with this guy. You know, like so it's like it it means that I'm not overthinking it anymore, and I'm just like able to just crack on and get on with it. Yeah, so that is a very good point. So obviously, I when I'm working in these environments, I'm doing kind of a little bit of the work with the client, a little bit of work with production team, a little bit of work with the celebrity, a little bit of work with their team, and then like kind of just kind of working across everyone and. It's very good because when you have that connection with the celebrity or you know them or you can make the connection or you've got the relationship like with Gary or whoever, 
it's much easier mm. because even the people that they're with, if you don't know them, let's say they're new into their environment, which we know that's not the case for a lot of these people. But if they're new, there's an instant like guard is down, mm. you know, plus I'm also there to do a job as well. So, mm. you know, that's good. So th those are my highs. Mm. Now, I know there will be more that I've probably not thought of or thinking about right now or just forgotten. Mm. And I don't want to bore the audience too much. But that's the thing. But the big the big thing for me is that we've had a really good client journey this year. a re Like a really solid client journey this mm. year. I've not once had to worry about, is this a crappy client? Like, mm. do I not enjoy working with them? Do you know why? Because our clients are smart as well. They're so smart. Like, we they're can't mention all of them. No. Because it wouldn't be tasteful. But, like, they're actually, like, really bright, educated, yeah. ex experienced people. We're not working with people that are literally just making it up as they go well, along. Well, he here's what's even better than that. It's not just the point of contacts. It's not just the people who make the decisions. It's not just the budget holders. It's the team around them. And that's what makes them particularly smart because, yeah. you know, the, the couple that we've mentioned now, just for an example, like RMA and Tara, they know how to recruit because mm. they recruit based on like passion, culture, you know, like core values and those sort of things. And when that's the same and it's combined within the entire team, you're like, all right, well, look, no matter what happens, we're good. Like if Tara wasn't here today, we could just walk in. Everyone gives you a big smile, cup of coffee, whatever it is. Yeah. Just all those basic things. And then with other clients... You know, when you start to meet other people with other departments and the wider kind of group, you're like, well, everyone here is cool, man. Like, they're smart, they're driven, they're accommodating. Yeah. They're very generous with their time and their, yeah, just their entire, like, just, you know, that I, that part I've really enjoyed from a work perspective. Yeah, yeah. Really enjoyed that. And one other high for me, from a personal point of view, I'm finally, finally, finally figuring out after many years now, my health journey. <laughs> oh, nice. Finally, like I'm feeling it much better, stronger, losing weight, diet's better. You know, like it's always been up and down for me for a very long time, but I think I finally cracked it. I feel like, so I, like you, I had a nice run last, last year or so. I feel like it's easier in your 40s. To do what? For the weight thing? To, yeah, for, because biologically, you're not going to lose fat as quickly. You're not going to build muscle as quickly. But psychologically, it's easier yeah, to commit because you are going to see people around you. I say, I say, for example, like in your 20s, it's much easier to physically transform. But 10 years either side of you, people aren't dying. At 43, 44, biologically, it's harder to transform. But 10 years either side of you, more people are dying. Yeah. So the motivation and the why and the urgency and the necessity is higher therefore making it easier. So I'm much more motivated to weightlift now than I've ever been. And I first started weightlifting at 16, but I find it much easier to go to the gym now because I'm like, oh, shit. I, I know people within, and even if I don't know them, I, I now hear of people younger than me that have just had random heart attacks and died. Yes. And I'm like, okay, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do that. No, it's, it's, it's great. And obviously with a kid and you know, that, that yeah. motivation is very, very different as well, but you have less time yeah. like, on this planet. Mm. And yeah. People are, people are going and don't, not to sound morbid, but it's the reality. So you go, okay, well, what, how do you increase your chances of that not happening? Yeah. And then how do I, me personally, how do I increase my chances of making sure that I've got a very active kid? How do I make sure that I'm keeping up with him? Yeah. Cause I can't keep up with him. He's a 10 year old boy that is hyperactive. So fundamentally, I can't keep up with him as a 45-year-old guy. But how can I keep up with him 
the most that I possibly can. Yeah. And that's exercise. And then obviously I want to look around a bit and I, and I see, and it, you know, when you see people around you, like you see that guy's in good shape. He's in his forties. That person isn't. And then you see the difference and you're like, which fork in the road do I want to take? Yeah. Yeah. And it's clearly obvious. Which yeah. Because one, someone's right? looking at you thinking the same thing. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that when I go to the gym, I'm like, I look at people that are so much better than me. I mean, I'm only competing against myself, but I look at them. I'm like, okay, cool. It's possible. I can do that. But then there's people looking at me going, and I think I'm nowhere near the caliber of people that I that I train with by no stretch of the imagination. But then I had a realization the other day. I was like, hold on. I've just trained with someone who's just started doing what I'm doing in CrossFit. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm better than him. And I'm not, again, I'm not doing a comparison thing. So I'm thinking he's looking at me going, oh, I want to do what he can do, which is a percent of what other people can do. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, that just drives me more to go, okay, well, I want like it's good because then I can motivate someone else. Yeah, yeah. You know, it sounds a bit corny, but that's just the, the reality. So that's the way it works. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Highs for me, the highs this year, I would say, I I would say that you know, the systemization of the business. Oh yeah, of course. Like you handling you handling more of it, which give, which gave me. So here's what happened. I realized after many years of people telling me that I'm a salesperson and me denying it. Because I'd much rather be, I'd much rather, I find it easier to identify with my creative ability or other things like the things of that nature. I think I'm a very good salesperson. And I've realized that this year. And I realized it at the exact point that operationally you started to take over accounts, which was brilliant. Because now I don't have my hands on all the accounts the way that I used to before I would know everything about them. Sometimes more than the staff we had when we had seven staff. No, more often than not, I would know more than them. Now, I feel like I can just go like face forward. And it's so much more of a relief because I don't need to character shift all the time and go to think about operations or delivery or creative ideas. The creative ideas are already set. So I think that's probably the highest high for me is that I've been able to admit to what my strength is and then actually water that plant a little bit what would have happened in previous years is I'd have dilly-dallied of is that a strength or is it a weakness on both sides, not addressed either, and then not benefited from not addressing either. So the highlight for me this year has been like, oh, I'm good at this. I'm going to focus on this, and I don't need to go back and do anything. The only, the only reason why that's changed in the last month where I've had to go back under the hood of the car a little bit is, you know, we've changed accountants. We've, we're now going into a corporation tax environment. So I've had to go back into like admin mode. But being free of like the hardcore like operations and project management has been the highlight for me of the of the whole year for sure. Um, and getting to spend a lot of time in A markets, like getting to go to spend a lot of time in London, New York and Amsterdam, that combination, although there were options to go to other cities, that combination was really, really good. I'm glad that I didn't go to South America for the first time this year. I'm glad I didn't go to Asia this year, India this year, even LA. That specific combination of London, New York, and Amsterdam is exactly what I needed. Mm. Because in there, I got to see all the billboards I wanted to see. I got to listen to all the radio adverts. I got to watch all the TV commercials. I got to check out all of the branding and marketing activations. I got to see all of the fashion. And because we live in a metropolitan city now in Dubai, I wanted like metropolitan influence. And I got that from New York, London, and Amsterdam. 
because they're all slightly different. Like London's a bit scruffy and a bit old and a bit colonial. Amsterdam, very, very disciplined. And then New York is like the fluorescent, dirty, you know. So you get so much data walking around. Like I remember one time I was getting into the subway in New York City and as I was, you know, I don't know if you remember, but in the New York subway, there's green rails and you walk down, it says you're walking onto the A train, the B train or whatever. There's an ad slot there. And then behind that, there was a building again for a poster. And then there was another piece of ad inventory and it was Microsoft, Apple and one other company. And they were all talking about uh, privacy. So I was like, there's the trend. You can literally read the streets like you're reading the tea leaves. And sure enough, You've seen these companies start to really, really focus. Uh, the economy's got tighter. So a lot more companies are starting to charge for things that used to be free. And even in our business, looking at my friends, your friends, the operating expenses of that have shot up mm-hmm. to an insane number. But I'm not upset or angry about it because I could see the tech companies focusing on their business model, what matters to their customers. So now if Eventbrite goes from free to $240, I'm not bothered. It, it, it doesn't feel like the cloth was pulled, like a rug pull. Yeah. It feels like, oh, okay, I kind of saw that the tech was changing uh, this summer. So now every piece of software that we pay for, I'm like, I'm, I'm expecting nothing would shock me. Like I'm expecting yeah, yeah, crazy yeah. stuff. So, so I would say that was a highlight for me this year. Yeah, I think seeing things run, I guess that also is to your point as well, is that we were able to, in our own individual ways, step away from the business and know that the other person had their bit covered. So that made me feel really good. Because pre- previously, you know, just being like me and you, we used to do everything everywhere We used all to at both once. do everything, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and that, that's crippling for a business where you have two people that have some similar, some crossover skill set, mm. but fundamentally different ones. Yeah. And that's the whole point of how we're trying to run the business is you run your side, I'll run my side. Yeah. And then we'll just cross over in the middle wherever we need to. Yeah. And that's it. That's That's the only thing that we should be doing. And we didn't get a chance to do that. And a big part of it is, yes, what you said. And yes, me kind of starting to build the systems and operations. But having some stability around the type of clients that we're working with and what we're offering them. Yeah. And figuring that out allows me to build those processes and systems. But it also allows you to go out and go, okay, what kind of work should we be doing? Yeah. And then building like the vision, the, the strategy, the marketing and the biz dev around that. Yeah. And that's that's where you kind of start to see the alignment. And of course, you know, we've now hired a couple of people to help on both sides of the business again, like yeah. someone to support you on the marketing efforts. Well, Alex, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, whichever who everyone knows that listens to this, and then we've got someone on the upside that's supporting me, which means that I'm able to really do my part for yeah. the business that supports what you need to do. So, so yeah, I mean, look, we're we're really like ending on a big, big high for the business. Mm. I really, th- I really think so. Yeah, I agree. I was, I was, so I was telling this uh, our new operations person, Marianne. We had a meeting the other day and I was like, I want you to be conscious of the fact that if three of us are around one table, it's the highest expenditure burn rate for the business. Because if Vic is working on a client, I'm working on a sale and she's working on our tech stack, that's really efficient because we're in three different areas, creating growth in three different areas. If we then take all of our collective mental and physical energy and focus it on one thing, i.e. three people get behind a boulder to all push one single boulder, which is our meeting or our planning, then that's three salaries that are being burnt simultaneously or three sets of energy. And it's all being focused on the same thing, which means we have to move that thing. 
if we've all three of us sat down to talk about one thing, if that doesn't move, then it's a waste. So I, I, I think that's kind of a mature thing that I'm able to communicate now, which I couldn't communicate before because when we had seven staff, there'll be many times where I'd get all seven people together to talk about something that's just not really material. Yeah. Now, sometimes that's helpful because you're just working out your thoughts. Sometimes it's just like, actually, I'm, I'm ultimately gonna make the decision maker on this. None of these other six people have the relationship with the pe person that I need to make the change with. So I'm just gonna call them and make the change. So it's been, a, it, I'd, I'd actually like to do, maybe we should do this in the new year. Check this out. If you're listening to the podcast and you want to have some 2024 like business decision-making tips and you've got any questions, drop us a message, leave it in the Instagram comments if you see this clip on Instagram or wherever it may be because I'd be quite curious to know what th things people are dealing with because the things that we've just spoken about are unique to operators. They're not to quote unquote any generic entrepreneur. It's to somebody who's thinking to themselves, how much monetary resource am I burning? How much like human capital am I running through at the moment? So, uh, but yeah, it has been a good year. So that would be one of my highlights. Um, Generally just a positive year, man. I got a lot of time in the sun. I experienced good weather a lot this year. I didn't really experience much bad weather. I like that. I like the whole of, you know, June to May, January to May in Dubai, switch over before it gets too hot and then come back when it's yeah. starting to cool down again. Any year that I pulled that off and I've done that year, I've done that kind of year many times over, but to, this year was the first one where I got to properly do it. And I definitely feel better now knowing that I've not slept through like, weeks and weeks in a cold country yeah. or weeks and weeks in an extremely hot country. <clears throat> so I feel really good about that. What else this year? I don't know, man. There's been a lot, but yeah, I, that, that I just like to kind of put a pin in it really from my side. Yeah, that's it. There's no other, I mean, there's lots of highs, lots of like micro highs that build. What are some? No, like they're like all like compound to all these things. So like yeah, little yeah. wins and big wins and small wins. But if you- Who was your favorite person you worked with this year outside? Uh, you know the usual yeah. Gary and like that. no 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 anybody anybody it's <laughs> a good question do you have an answer because I need to no no have a think it. have a think or just go with go with your instincts come whatever's in your head right now just say the you know the favorite person I'm working with this year was on any aspect it doesn't have yeah, to be no, like it doesn't have think. to be like speakers or thought leaders or anything no, 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 like no, I'm that trying to think could be a supplier could be anybody yeah it's a really tricky one. Whilst you're thinking about it, let me give a big shout to uh, F10. F10 have been our long-term sponsors of uh, My Friends, Your Friends. And there is a My Friends, Your Friends coming up very soon. My Friends, Your Friends 20 is coming up very soon. So we will probably launch a wait list because there's going to be something quite unique about My Friends, Your Friends 20. So if this clip makes it to Instagram, there's probably something on the screen right now that says where the wait list is. Go sign up right now. You do not want to miss My Friends, Your Friends 20. And I'm saying all this whilst Vic is thinking about who his favorite person is to work with this year. But shout out to uh, First and Ten Productions, our people. And thank you so much for the cake. Yeah. This is a cake yesterday, which was I very nice. I haven't. Sorry, guys, but I'm yeah. on sugar, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying it. Maybe, maybe on Christmas Day, because that's Christmas Eve. That's my little cheat yeah. day, so I might have a little little piece then. Yeah. I d I don't have a favorite person. Um, I'll tell you who who sticks out to me that I've in, that I enjoyed spending time with and. Working with Ryan Serhan. Yeah, smart, smart guy. Because nice guy. obviously I followed the show. Yeah. Uh, the Million Dollar Listing uh, New York show, which is a big real estate show in America. And obviously we have it here in uh, the UAE. And uh, yeah, we spent 
you know, almost two days with him. O- over the course of two days. Yeah, yeah. Got to hang out with him a bunch. There was, you know, in the car. Why did you like him? Uh, well, first of all, he's basically the same guy as on TV as he is on the reality show as he is in real life. He's basically the same guy. Obviously, he gets a bit hammed up on the TV, but, you know, he's fundamentally the same guy. Um, but I just liked his, I just liked his general, like he was very polite, very smart, asked a lot of questions about the UAE, was genuinely curious, just a nice, friendly guy. But what was very good about him, particularly when there was a, like a, like a podcast recording with him, very considered with his answers, very smart, very thoughtful. I just liked his, I just liked his general energy. Mm. Just a nice guy to be around. Mm. And of course, we then met Diego, who was his kind of long-term content creator who's now moved over to Dubai. Mm. So shout out to Diego. So he's a, he's a cool guy. We only spent a little bit of time with him, but he's a really nice guy. Mm. I'm not singling out Ryan as my favorite, but someone that I enjoyed working with. And it's corny to say, but I've re- like I said before, I've really enjoyed working with the clients. Mm. Uh, all of them, like every single person that we've interacted with within our clients has been a joy to work with. Mm. Whether it be like, even if it's just like a, a short-term thing where it's like might be a workshop or some, mm. some s- shorter consulting or whatever, even that, mm. it's not a favorite person. It's a difficult one to answer. Nice. What about you? Do you have a favorite? I, I thought I thought Ryan was cool. I, it probably would have been more hyped had I seen the TV show. Sure. But on the flip side, having not known much about him other than just seeing him on I think it was like Breakfast Club or some other stuff, I thought he was. I thought it was very nice, and I quite enjoyed spending time with him. I would say, at a surface level and at a deep level, probably two different people. At a surface level, I enjoyed watching Jay Shetty work. I thought that was good. Uh, last year. I enjoyed watching Stephen Bartlett and the way that he communicated. I thought he was quite special. But this year, watching Jay Shetty interact with our clients backstage, the energy he puts out, his professionalism, his flexibility. He's very kind of like chill, open to whatever. Uh, He has that special gift where when he's talking to somebody, he's just with them and he's engaged with them. He doesn't rush people, even though in some cases we might need those people to to move on quickly. He definitely gives his whole energy to that person. So even though I've met Jay Shetty before and spent some time with him and talked to him, we've got a million mutuals, actually seeing him in a work environment, I was really impressed. I've walked away from the shoot with Jay Shetty thinking to myself, I could work with that guy like every day of the week because he just handles it. And, you know, he rolls. He doesn't roll with the big mob. He doesn't roll with, like, camera people. He just pretty much rolls, like, almost dolo. And he just gets in, gets the job done, delivers. Yeah, he's, he's polished, I would say, it, both backstage and on stage. I thought, he was, I thought he was a really good talent. I think that we'll see him doing what he did on stage. I think we'll see him doing that for decades for to come. years and years. I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, he was... Yeah, he was great. He was really cool. And uh, what was very interesting, when you you know when you see people backstage and how they interact with different people, he said hello to every single person. And you know, that's something that you and I believe in. Massively. Without fail. Yeah. He went and said hello to every single person. The person that was changing the coffee cups in the green room, to the clients, to anyone else that was pottering about the production crew this that he went and said hello what's your name everything even if it was for 
half a second he mm. acknowledged everybody mm. and again that's a, that's a superpower in itself to be we've spoken about that. this podcast before yeah, it's, we've it's, done it, yeah. it's, it's dignity yeah it's dignity it's giving people their dignity yeah. no matter what their role is yeah it's that's a superpower in itself and you um, i think we spoke about it as well i said see look he's doing that mm. and i think that's that's a real that's a real gift as well mm. to actually have the wherewithal to do that yeah so yeah i agree he was i mean he's he's top of the top of the mountain you know like yeah and he'll continue to be there yeah, I thought he was good. And then depth-wise, I got to spend a lot of time with Daniel Priestley this year. Oh like God, an insane amount of time with him. And uh, I'm very cognizant of what that would be worth in the commercial world if you wanted to like actually pay the guy for his time. Because it's a lot. I mean, I would have spent the equivalent of maybe $100,000 worth of his time. And uh, I don't take that too lightly. So I thought it was really good. I mean, that's a, that's a friend anyway. Like, you know, that's our guy. But... I actually just got to see him in the zone where he's talking about work and strategy. And then to see him do Ali Abdal part two this year and Chris Doe part two this year and then jump on a bunch of other dope podcasts, uh, I think it's great. I think for me, he'd be my 2024 draft pick. Oh, God, yeah. He's, he's if you don't know Daniel Priestley or if you're like, if you're in charge of booking people at conferences and I'm talking specifically to like, you know, rise. I don't know what they're called. What is like? No, rise is over in Asia. That's the collision well, the guys. Conferences are, yeah. Like no, but there's that one in. Um, I think it's called Lift, or I don't know what the hell it's called in Saudi Arabia. But like, all these conference people, you want to get on this dude early. You want to get him on your stage, recorded, doing a long form keynote. The way that Tony Shea did Box.com yep. in 2009, and then eventually they took that video down, which was you know a travesty. But like, if you get the right CEO at the right time, where they're at their peak when it comes to like the kind of knowledge they're spitting, but they're generally not known, and people discover them on your conferences, YouTube channel, you kill it. We've been around a lot of these sort of guys in our time mm. from various backgrounds, various industries. Daniel's smarter than most of them. <laughs> Daniel's dizzy rascal. He's not. Daniel's Damn. Daniel's 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 the number one. In the UK, and Jeez. key person of influence is is boy in the corner. Like for, I've always argued That's that Dizzy Rascal is the UK's Nas, because Di boy in the corner is Illmatic. Yeah, it's the East London bow Illmatic for what what Nas was for Queensbridge. Daniel Priestley is Dizzy. That I never thought of it like that, but yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. But you're right. He's the thing is he's not even on the come up. He's he's been doing this yeah. for so long and. Big shout out to Daniel. Why? Because he was on two My Friends, Your Friends this year as a co-host. Oh, yeah. Kind of. So he was on London as a co-host. And My Friends, Your Friends Pro. There you go. Yeah. And obviously spending all that time with him. And I spent more time with him than I've ever done in the past. Yeah. And it's great. Just go for a kebab, chat, chop it up. And his mind is just like constantly like, well, no, this is how you, like, he simplifies things so yeah, well yeah, yeah. that you're like, oh, wait a minute, why am I overcomplicating it when this guy who's done it so many times is just like, this is the simplest way yeah, of yeah, thinking yeah. about it. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So, yeah, he supported us on two events, yeah, both in London and Dubai, which is great as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just think this is, this is one of the benefits of, like, building relationships and building a brand because people are like, oh, you know, this guy's always putting out videos. I do hear some criticisms now and again. Now that I'm older, I hear some... I hear some people talking about the kind of content, you know, that I put out or da, 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 but I'm like, if you were, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying it from the point of view of like, 
I know what you I know where you're about to go. Who cares? Da, da. I get it, but I'm the one that hears it about my own stuff. So you can't ignore it because that would be ignorant, literally, and you can't let it ruin your life because then it'll ruin your life, literally. The answer is somewhere in in the middle. But really, what I've realized is that it's like you'd understand why I do what I do and put out the content that I put out if you got to live a day in my shoes and got all of my benefits because it's amazing. Like whether it's you know, kicking it with some of the greatest thinkers in the world today or kicking it with people that other people would spend happily $15,000 to have the same coffee backstage with. That's been, that's one of the kind of benefits. And although I can't have the option of spending the $15 or keeping the $15,000, I don't have that option. It's not material in that way, but the immaterial upside is is crazy. So I've been super grateful for that that if there's ever a case for building a personal brand and and building relationships over the long term with people it's it's the kind of year that we've had in 2023 and it looks like it's just going to continue to go up and to the right in 2024 so let's talk about 2024 what, boy what um if you if you were to give a summary of what to expect in 2024 from our group what would you say that is so there's six brands in our group, and in 2024, I think each of them will behave like this. Number one, with Algo, it's going to keep us on camera and be more consistent, not least because we started off 2023 consistent. There's no reason why in 2024 we won't be able to be consistent. The way that we will innovate with Algo is I think I'm going to start texting some of my friends and asking them to come on the show. So you will probably get a little bit more remote content, but what it will allow me to do is import some of the greatest thinkers uh, that I know onto the podcast. So expect that in 2024. On my personal brand, on the Raj Katecha brand, more content coming out and more live stuff. So I'm really keen now on like booking a venue and doing a open talk, you know, maybe updating what we used, to, what we did. If you go to youtube.com forward slash Raj Katecha, you'll see uh, something called um, creative content for brand building, which is like a little 40 minute keynote. I think updating that with what we know right now in and around the four P's and AI on the content strategy.ai side, you're going to see a lot more people buying our learning and development programs. I'm going to be a bit more proactive in terms of talking to large and blue chip organizations about that on the creative content agency side. I think there's a couple of clients, one that we are just signing at the moment where I've had this kind of like weird idea where we've just signed this guy and he's very competent and good at what he does. And we are also very competent and good at what we do. And I think we should make a documentary about what we're going to do with this guy. Because right now, he's got almost no social media presence. He's kind of, in social terms, he's really a nobody. But in six months, when he's done with us, he's going to be one of the talks of this town for his industry. So I'm quite keen on using him as our like 2024 flagship because it's so funny. He said to me, he was like, he said to me the other day, we had coffee during during the conversation about doing a deal. And he said, are you quite selective at Creative Content Agency about what clients you work with? And I said, yes. And he goes, how so? And I said, I don't run Creative Content Agency. Like I've got to get revenue in and how much margin will I make and how much will it cost me and the typical agency metrics. I run creative content agency like I'm the CEO of Motown and 
can I sign another Marvin Gaye or Al Green or Tina Turner? Because when you look at creativecontentagency.com, those clients that you see on there are all brilliant clients that have done great work. So I only want to sign clients that I think have a disproportionately high chance of doing great work. What they lack is the strategy and the resources and the best practice. And if we come in with those strategies, those resources and those best practices, then really that's just the flame hitting the gunpowder and then that person's going to go. Them being the gunpowder because they've already got what it takes, they just need to be lit up the right way in a way that we know how to do. That's on the creative content agency side. On the 4P side, number one objective is to give that away. We've been talking this year a lot about making the 4Ps a content plan, produce, publish, promote, open source. So I want to be able to just teach that as far and wide as possible. And then there's another brand. My Friends, Your Friends. My Friends, Your Friends is going to hit event 20. We're going to do it in February. Uh, February 21st. Save the date. That's it. There's no yeah. more to say about that until we... There's no more to say, say about, about that. It, but yeah, yeah d you know, I don't know when you're going to listen to this. You probably might even listen to it before we do a save the date sign up form. But we're going to do a save the date sign up form. And that's because there's something happening with My Friends, Your Friends 20 where... If we just said it's My Friends, Your Friends 20, with a community of 5,500 people worldwide, the event would fill up. But the angle we're putting on My Friends, Your Friends 20 is going to double the demand, yeah. which means that normally we can just open signups and say, come grab your ticket. And if you don't show up, no problem. Duh, duh. We have to change that this year. or We have to change that in 2024 for My Friends, Your Friends 20 because it's just going to be really special, really special. I know already that people have said they're going to fly in for it to co-host and things of that nature. So they're really seeing it as a platform to get down with like Dubai and what's going on over here. So super excited about My Friends, Your Friends 20. And we've already started the planning for it, which is now, what, two months ahead of the event. Yeah. I mean, almost, in fact, funny enough, yesterday, yeah, yesterday, two days ago, we had a meeting. So exactly two months before the event, yeah. we had a big, like an all day, all afternoon planning meeting yeah. for this one event. And for any other My Friends, Your Friends, we've never done that. For any other My Friends, Your Friends, we plan it on the way to the event. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're still texting people. Like, Will you be a co-host? Yeah, 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 exactly. But, like, but you know, often, you know, we're in the market only two or three weeks out of the event. Yeah. Because it's just sometimes how it rolls. But this one, two months out, we had a big planning meeting. and We've already started doing stuff in the background to, to make it happen. And, yeah, don't, don't miss this one. Yeah. Just don't miss this one. Also, I would say... Um, for this opportunity, if you've got your own business and you want to take part in My Friends, Your Friends, you want to either sponsor or you want to have your own little area where you can host your biggest clients or things of that nature, then drop me a message right now at Raj Katecha or Raj at creativecontentagency.com. I'm open to having these conversations. I'm working during the holiday period. Christmas, I'm off. New Year's Day, I'm off. But you can hit me anytime and I'm uh, open to have a conversation about that. I'd say that's it. That's all six brands covered. It's yeah. going to be very, very exciting next year. Um, we'll probably get one or two more of these done before the year's out. Cover some more news topics, give you something to listen to. Hopefully, if you're getting some downtime over the New Year's period, then we'll be around to check it out. And uh, that's it. Any shout outs? I want to give a shout out to my friend Flo, whose constant pressure is means that we record these shows. Yeah, so obviously we gave a shout out to Tara, Tara Rose Salon. Big up. Recording today. Yeah, um, come down to Tyro Salon, at Tyro Salon on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, men and women, two outlets in Dubai, uh, one in Al Cruz, two in, uh, well, so Dubai is Al Cruz and Media City. Mo Motor City. 
oh sorry, Al Cruz and Motor City, yeah. and uh, Abu Dhabi is Khalifa City and Sadia Island. So go and head over there, guys and girls. Get anything done? I'm definitely gonna get like manicure, pedicure done at some point in the next week. And um, I want to give a shout. Who else? To oh, I want to give a shout to my friend Puja, eighteen hundred weirdo. She told me you need to try different clothes on the podcast. So I got this for 89 dirhams. 89 dirhams, tw less than 20 pounds. Was it on offer in Puma? Because Puma's um, got a massive sale on at the moment. No, it wasn't. I oh. got it from another store, yeah. So I got it for 89 dirhams and uh, it's dope. And I want to give a shout out to uh, my friend Tarif, who owns this yeah. brand Park Hill, uh, which is the kind of like unofficial official Wu-Tang clothing line. Yeah. Uh, they are, it's the, it's the clothing line that you'll see most of the clan wearing when they're out and about. So head over to Park Hill, find out Park Hill clothing online. And if you're a hardcore Wu-Tang fan, you really want to show it, then this is the, this, this, is, is, the this is the fly one to wear. In fact, when I saw Ghostface the other day, he goes, yo man, how come you're wearing a Park Hill t-shirt? I was like, oh, he's my friend. Uh. And he gave me one. So, uh, cause he was genuinely confused. Yeah. Why am I in Dubai for the first it's, time? It's weird to see that. And along comes yeah. this little brown guy wearing like the in t-shirt yeah. of, of their brand. Yeah, so, I, so I, there you go. Also just shout out to the, the group chat, the algatorial group chat. Yeah, I don't inter <laughs> like I'm really silent on that. But these guys are active. They're mm. always posting new stories, always posting comments on them, feedback, you know, like just back and forth about their opinions on it. And that's really good because whereas I don't have time to go out and search for the news, this is a perfect platform for me. And half the people on that group chat have already told me that this, this is their Twitter. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's their Twitter, yeah. Because in many ways it, it is. is. Yeah. It's just a waterfall, but without any of the... It's just not open to the public. And what I do like, they're very disciplined in a weird way, right? Unless Drake drops an album. Well, yeah, then... <laughs> in which case so it's a fire. Is, yeah, is it? So they'll drop a news story, someone will make a comment. Then it'll be like a bunch of comments. Let's call it eight. And then it'll go back and forth a little bit, back and forth, and then it'll just stop. And they'll just move on to the next bit. Mm. So it's good because you'll just get this like concise opinion of everyone on that table and go, right, ba 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 ba. And it's very differing opinions. There's lots of like back and forths and it's really cool. Yeah. So a big shout out to that whole group. There's a couple of people I want to add to that informed. as well. There's a couple of people I want to add. I think in 2024, we might add two or three more people to that group because there's some, I've had some really interesting conversations with people recently, got some super perspectives. And I'm like, hmm, I think I say to those people, I think you should be in the group because the group will benefit from hearing what you've got to say. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of like how I'm making a decision about it. So yeah, brilliant shout out to the whole Algatorial group. And uh, that's it, I think. Nice, we got yeah. a lot done. We've got a busy day ahead. Oh boy, it's coming to quarter past four in the afternoon. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, do me a favor, share it with somebody who would like it. Leave us a like. Uh, a comment on YouTube would be amazing. That's where I get my biggest high from, is seeing any comments on YouTube. So that would be amazing. Uh, and of course, if you're on Apple, Still, ratings and reviews matter, so go ahead and give us one of those. And uh, anything else? Yeah, the most important thing is, is share it. Yeah, share it with somebody who's yeah. smart. Did you say it already? I don't know if I, I did. I think I might have checked out. <laughs> if you're quite smart, it will make you smarter. And if you're really smart, it will give you a, a perspective that will just add yeah. to what you're doing. That's really yeah, what we're trying to do. For, for me, the sharing part is important because then that at least gives us the kind of credibility, so to speak, where someone's referring, and that for me is really big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And check out all the stuff that we spoke about. And we will speak to you next week on Algo. Peace.